0: Hello and welcome to this month's edition of the Tax Pod from Grand Thornton, Bharat. We bring you the latest tax and regulatory developments that took place in the last month. Let's begin with key direct tax developments. Section 1023 c of the Income Tax Act 1961, for short, the Act, deals with the Tax Exemption Scheme for certain approved institutions engaged in charitable activities, including institutions established solely for education. In this regard, recently the Honorable Supreme Court while dealing with a batch of appeals in relation to denial of the registration of educational institutions for tax exemption has laid down the following key principles. First, institutions existing with the sole object of imparting education are only entitled to tax exemption and they cannot have objectives unrelated to education. Second, profit-oriented institutions are not entitled to the benefit of tax exemption. Third, generation of profits incidental to the educational or related activities would not bar the institution from seeking approval for tax exemption. Fourth, tax authorities should examine the objects and genuineness of the institution. Disproportionate weight should not be given to incidental profits generated. Fifth, such institutions must adhere to registration and other compliance under the respective state or local laws. The Supreme Court also dealt with the scope of certain terms such as education, solely, etc. In regard to the term solely, it clarified that it is not the same as predominant or mainly. Since the present judgment has departed from the previous rulings regarding the meaning of the term solely, it will operate prospectively. The ruling addresses several interpretational issues relevant to educational institutions. The impacted taxpayers will now need to align their objectives and conduct their operations in line with the principles laid down in this ruling. Next, Section 11 of the Act provides tax exemption to organizations carrying on activities for charitable purpose subject to prescribed conditions. The Act also defines the expression charitable purpose, which includes general public utility. In this regard, the Supreme Court in another batch of appeals consisting of organizations from varied domains has settled the controversy relating to the interpretation of the expression general public utility. The Supreme Court has held that the general public utility charitable organizations can engage in commercial activities for fee or any consideration where such activity is carried out for achieving its object and the receipt is within the prescribed limit. The Act states that business should be incidental to the objectives of the trust. The term incidental is to be interpreted in the context of activities in the nature of business or service which are conducted in attainment of the overall objective. The court observed the distinction between business held under the trust and trust carrying on business it further interpreted the expression fee cess, or any consideration and stated that such expression must receive a purposive interpretation the court has also dealt with eligibility parameters of various organizations such as cricket associations private trust etc for exemption under general public utility category the supreme court has clarified that this ruling shall be applicable to taxpayers in the following manner. First, it would be considered as final in case of taxpayers for the respective assessment years which were in appeal before the Supreme Court even if it is against the revenue. And second, the revenue would be required to apply the law declared by this ruling in all future applications considering the facts to assess the taxpayer's case on -on year-on-year basis. The judgment is a welcome move and provides guidelines basis which the taxpayer's claim of exemptions can be determined. However, there are still certain open areas where more clarity may be required such as meaning of nominally marked up consideration and factors relevant to decide whether an activity carried out by trust can be considered to be in the course of actually carrying out its objectives. The taxpayer will now be required to assess the impact on the facts of their case and evaluate the way forward. On the indirect tax front, recently the Madras High Court has ruled that the tax authorities cannot be expected to assume that the available credit will be used to offset the tax due until the taxpayer files a return and debits the respective registers. Therefore, having credit does not protect taxpayers from the imposition of interest on late tax payments. The ruling appears contrary to the established legal principle that interest is compensatory. Even if not, it would be double jeopardy since non filing or late filing of return is subject to prescribed penalties in addition to interest consequences. In another welcome ruling, the Bombay High Court has ruled that the pre deposit for filing an appeal under the GST law can be made by utilizing the balance available in the electronic credit ledger. The Central Board of Indirect Taxes and Customs, for short CVIC, has recently issued a favorable circular clarifying that payment towards output tax whether self-assessed in the return or payable because of any proceeding, can be made by utilising the amount available in the registered person's electronic credit ledger. The current ruling is also consistent with the circular and may aid in resolving similar disputes or litigations. In a much-awaited clarification, the CBIC has clarified that payments made using Form DRC-03 are not valid modes of payment for pre-deposit under the erstwhile Central Excise and Service Tax laws. The same must be made only through the dedicated CBIC-GST integrated portal. For all the latest GST-related developments, download GST Compendium from our website www.grandthornton.com. That's all for this time. We'll see you next month. Bye.